right, well, since the last time we talked to you here on the Bills Beat Podcast, you know, not a lot has happened. I mean, it's very, very ho-hum week. The Bills just, uh, you know, really going with status quo. Yeah, all right. Josh Allen is the new starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, as the team announced on Wednesday. He replaces Nathan Peterman after just, well, not even one game of action. Two quarters and two offensive series of action for Nathan Peterman. And now the Josh Allen tenure with the Buffalo Bills has begun. The There is no going back from this point forward, at least you would think, even though Sean McDermott wouldn't say if it's permanent or not. And, uh, and yeah, the a lot of fans are getting their wish with Josh Allen being the starting quarterback against the Los Angeles Chargers and likely for the remainder of the season. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And the Bills, of course, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers this weekend, the first home game of the year. And we will get to some breakdown of that game as we kind of go along here. But we've spent so much time on the quarterback position all spring, all summer. Heck, all winter leading up to the spring and summer. They got I mean, this is this is probably the last big big thing that there is with them because now it's just analyzing what Josh Allen does from here on forward. So, I think the the major question that I was asking or that I'm sure I'm not alone in that respect is is this the right time for Sean McDermott and the Bills to make this move or is it just for a little bit of short-term relief and perhaps a tad short-sighted? What, what did you make of the move when it came down, Matthew? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say it was a shocking move. We talked a lot about it on Sunday night in Baltimore about the possibility of this happening. It just, look, I mean, it like you said, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks going all the way back to the winter, and it feels like in a way it's finally over like we don't need to sit here and pick it apart anymore because this is it you know you move forward with Josh Allen you ride with him through the highs and the lows and there will be lows and I think that's important to underscore in this whole thing is that he will struggle at some point maybe it's not Sunday it probably will be on Sunday but maybe it's not Maybe it's a few games down the road. And I think that's where this conversation interests me is that, you know, is it the right time? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But they also didn't have a choice because rolling Nathan Peterman back out there would have been really tough to sell to the locker room. And, you know, we've talked about this because I, I wrote that story last week about sort of when the right time is. And the resounding answer was, well, there's never a right time because the guy's never going to be ready. And anybody who thinks they have the answer to, because I think that's been the most annoying part about this to me is that Mm -hmm. people seem to think of it as a black or white issue. You've probably had both of these types of people in, in your mentions. Everybody's probably seen them on Twitter well, Peyton Manning went 3-13 and 13 and threw a bunch of interceptions. Right. Troy Aikman got sacked a bunch. He was fine. You know, those guys were fine. It shouldn't matter. Just throw them in. You know, and then when it comes to David Carr or Joey Harrington or guys like that, well, they just sucked. It wouldn't have mattered. They just sucked, and that's how it goes. I, I'm not convinced it's that way. I really think there's a gray area here, and there's a lot of nuance to this issue, and I think that's where it gets a little bit tricky and that's why it was you know as much as we rag on Sean McDermott for the you know got to check out the tape or you know need some time I understand why he needed time on Monday yeah because it wasn't just about picking who the best quarterback was because anybody knew that Josh Allen was the best quarterback between he and Nathan Peterman it's about making a decision about Josh Allen's development and I don't think they set themselves up to make a good decision. And I think that's okay. I, they, you know, Josh Allen isn't doomed because of it. I just don't know if it's the best thing for his development. But mm-hmm. at, the, at this point, you can't fix the offensive line. You can't get him better wide receivers. 
and you can't get a veteran quarterback for him to learn from. The ship has sailed on all of those things. They had a chance to do all three and failed. Now he was going to go in at some point, and whether it was now or week eight, the offensive situation isn't going to get any better. No, it it won't get a ton better. But there is at least a, a some room for a little bit of improvement. And I think that's where I kind of land with this because when you when you went back and and watched that debacle that was the 47 to 3 loss against the Baltimore Ravens, you could see that not one but two of the offensive linemen in front of Nathan Peterman were just horrific. John Miller and Ryan Groy. And they're right next to each other. 40% of the offensive line. It was a humongous problem all game long. And Nathan Peterman very nearly threw an interception because of Ryan Groy. And because Ryan Groy couldn't hold his block or stay on his feet even. So th- those are issues. And I think my my main point of contention with pushing Josh Allen in right now above all else is not the talent standpoint because anyone with a brain or maybe not even a brain a set of eyes could watch the two performances they both got an equal amount of snaps and say say to themselves yeah Josh Allen's the more talented guy of course he is they they took him in seventh overall this is what he's shown to be throughout training camp throughout uh, throughout the preseason and Nathan Peterman, a fifth-round guy, and we've seen this song and dance from him before. And But now they're in a spot where Josh Allen is in there, and they're, they didn't give themselves any additional time to maybe not fix the offensive line, but figure out what five are going to be the best thing for the, for the rest of the season for them. Now he's getting thrown into it with a couple of guys, which, by the way, they're not making moves. Sean McDermott said the same five that started on Sunday against the Ravens will be the same five starting against the Chargers this coming Sunday. And that's a concern. I guess it's giving Groy and Miller a chance to figure themselves out, but let's say one of their best five is Ike Butker who they just brought back from Kansas City. Let's Could say it, be let's by say the end it's of the year. let's say it's Wyatt Teller. Let's say Connor McDermott is is in that mix as one of the best 5. And ideal and odds are if Groy and Miller play badly enough through the first month of the season, the Bills are going to do something to change that. So that would have been at least somewhat figured out just saying, "All right, this is the best we're going to do this year." Rather than Oh yeah. yeah, we'll just we'll just chuck them out there behind two guys who couldn't even stand on their own two feet for half the game. That that's the concerning part to me. And and then coupling that the fact the run game didn't get going, and with Kelvin Benjamin essentially uh, jogging at times, it, it's it's all it's all a concern. And that was my main reason for hesitation by on the move. Kelvin Benjamin might have been running as fast as he could. We don't know. That. <laughs> He's not a very fast. Fellow. Well, well, look. In in fairness to him, he. Ran his route, but then that was it. He didn't do much else after that. If there was a quarterback scrambling and, you know, there was no counter moves going on. If there was an interception, Kelvin Benjamin gave a uh, half-hearted trot towards the the player that picked off the pass and really didn't come anywhere close to him. So there's – it was awful interesting watching him on film. And this is – a a different point for a different day but man you're in your contract year and you're doing that stuff like what are you what are you doing this is it's either concocted in his head or he's getting some really bad advice because if he's out there trying to trying to say hey trade me so i can get to another team and put up better stats with a better quarterback then you're 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 kidding yourselves because that now this would be two straight years of you getting traded and then also calling out one of your old former your your former quarterback publicly and not caring and who's who's going to sign you to a big money deal for that that's neither here nor there but what about the peterman point yeah i mean kelvin benjamin isn't doing himself a lot of favors no. but i think you know it's a fair concern to have about this offense and whether josh allen is ready and whether it's ready for josh allen because while it's not going to change a great deal between now and, say, week eight, Josh Allen might. 
Right. You know, he got two quarters to sit and watch. That was it in a series. Two, two series. quarters and two series to sit and watch and adjust to the speed of the game that way. I do think there is some value in that. The problem is I don't know how much value there is in that when the guy you're watching is Nathan Peterman. The value comes when, let's say it's a guy like, I don't know, even a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of quarterback. Not a great quarterback. God, I thought you were going to say Blaine Gabbert there. No, no, because that would probably be a similar issue. You, Now you're the one bringing up Blaine Gabbert a lot, <laughs> just by the way. You would have done it later on. Let's, let's be serious. But the value in it is not just watching Fitzpatrick play because you're not necess- you could do that from your couch. I think the value is when things happen over the course of a game, right or wrong, you know, good or bad, that guy comes to the sidelines, he figures it out, and you know, that dynamic between the quarterback and offensive coordinator, the adjustments they make during a game, that's something that's valuable to see happen when the pressure isn't all on you, when people's livelihoods aren't on the line, wins and losses aren't hanging in the balance because of you. You get to see how that all operates. Same goes for Monday through Saturday and preparation, learning how to prepare like an NFL starter does. It's a I think it's talked about a lot, but probably not enough people understand what goes into that and what type of work the best guys that have ever done it do in that regard. And that's, I think, my biggest concern with Josh Allen. And part of why I'm just like, well, I guess it's fine that you throw him in. Who's he learning that from? Right. He's not necessarily learning it from Nathan Peterman because Nathan Peterman, I don't think, has all the answers there. If he did... You know, there'd probably be some better results. They have a quarterbacks coach who hasn't coached quarterbacks in a long, long time. So it kind of falls on Brian Dable to be the guy that says, hey, this is how you prepare. You know, this is how we put together and attack a game plan. This is, you know, X, Y, and Z, all the different This is how Brady did it. it. Right. (laughs) And I think that's why the Bills were in such a tough spot is there wasn't, I mean, even a guy like Josh McCown, you get so much out of watching how that guy prepares. A Tyrod Taylor. Guys like that who weren't high draft picks and have overachieved have overachieved because of the way they prepare and the work they put in. And that's a big part of playing quarterback. You can shrug it off if you want and say he'll figure it out. And on some level, he does have to figure out what way works for him in terms of studying a game plan, breaking down tape, what hours, you know, when should he get in, when should he leave. You know, what did Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday look like on a game week? He has to figure that out to some extent on his own. But he's not really getting any tricks of the trade from a guy who's done it before. Mm -hmm. He's getting it from Brian Dable, but Brian Dable has a lot on his plate. He can't sit there and be the quarterback's coach in addition to being the offensive coordinator. So, yeah, some of that falls on David Culley, who I just don't know. Does he have enough? experience doing it to be a guy that you're comfortable with developing a quarterback that's the next step i think of this conversation is forget you know whatever it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's the right time or not because they're putting them in and nobody really knows when the right time is but the question is is the infrastructure in place for him to develop right and that extends far beyond the talent they have on the field you have to wonder big picture you know can this franchise develop this quarterback yeah that that uh these are fair concerns because, I mean, as you pointed out, there's just really no one that has done it before. And I'm, I was curious because the extremes have been brought up about, you know, Peyton Manning and Troy Aikman. Like, who was there with, with Peyton Manning back in the day? Let's That's see. a good question. That would have been 1999, right? 1998. Um, 1998, yeah. Indianapolis Colts roster. I'm looking up on Pro Football Reference, and I don't see an additional quarterback on there, which would be a massive mistake. <laughs> because there's no way they only went with one quarterback in there. Yeah, it's not popping up on there. Hey, you're right. On the uh, roster, uh, even on Wikipedia, it just pops up. I mean, I'm sure they had a backup. Right. They had to have had. <laughs> <laughs> this well, now, is... 
This is this. Well, is, we can't stop until we figure this out. No, 1998 guys. Indianapolis Colts backup quarterback. How about that? And see, people who bring up Peyton Manning as an aside, that bothers me a little bit because Peyton Manning, by all accounts, was just. That's a guy who I think was destined to be what he became, almost regardless of yeah. where he went. Because you hear the Historic stories about work him. work ethic. Well, and the brain, the preparation. Yeah, right. If he, if it wasn't this, he was going to be an offensive coordinator or something. You hear the stories about the way he showed up to draft meetings and things like that. That, and not to mention his dad played the position, and so you get a little bit of that there. Like when I was talking to Kevin Gilbride. And he talked about how Eli needed that time on the bench behind Kurt Warner, which is great. But he said he needed it. And I got to thinking, I mean, he had Peyton as his older brother and Archie as his dad. And he needed to see how Kurt Warner worked and learn some of it. So that's part of what what gives you a little bit of pause is, you know, where is Josh Allen going to learn that? I mean, I know these guys coming into the league are more prepared because they've been doing it longer. They've got private quarterbacks, coaches when they're young, and and they've been breaking down film, you know, going back to high school. But you still need to learn how to do it at this level, and that doesn't come overnight. And that's why, you know, like we talk about, there's going to be some growing pains. I found it. Steve Walsh was his name. The name sounds familiar. Steve Walsh. And then... Uh, then Kelly Holcomb, former Bills player, was there for a bit. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, these they didn't have that that same type of thing that we're alluding to. So it's not impossible, but you also have to have an incredible case on your hands, like a Peyton Manning, where he is going to outwork everyone in the building and then be super talented on on top of it. Now, for what it's worth, Steve Walsh was a ten-year vet at the time. Yes, that so was the, the tail bill. end of his career, so the and he ended up becoming a coach. Yeah, so the, the Bills don't have that. Not a bad guy to have in place no. for a rookie. No, they do not. Um, but for what it's worth, the through the first week of practice, because I I don't know, I, I like to track these sorts of things. Coming off the practice field, Nathan Peterman was like the last guy coming off the practice field every single time. And Josh Allen was not one of the first, but he wasn't like one of the last people on the field. On Wednesday, he was out there almost just as long as Nathan Peterman was, getting in additional work and everything along those lines. I'm sure working alongside Brian Dable. And I think that those are the times where you have to make sure all of those little small things that you need from your quarterback whether it be uh, his mechanics and everything along those lines and and what you do from from that point forward I think for him those times of practice are important and times out of practice are important because they're game planning the rest of the time so I don't know with with Allen from here on out, it's going to be a bit of a struggle to get your head above water as a rookie quarterback. He's being thrust into the starting lineup on a team that just was helpless on offense last week. Now, odds are they're not going to be that bad, um, again, against the Baltimore Ravens. Odds are the defense is not going to allow as many points as it did to the Baltimore Ravens because the Bills' defense actually has some talented players. They just need some others to play a bit better than they did. But will it help save Allen, or will Allen help save them, or is that asking too much too soon for him? There's so many different things to consider with him, but at the end of the day, this is his ball game now. He does. He is going on as their starter, and there's there's no going back because if you do that, then you're just you're just crushing him. Yeah, you're screwing with him. You're EJ Manuel you, him. Then you you need to. But I do think things will be better on Sunday. Yeah, I do too. I I, I think circumstances are a lot better for a couple of reasons. Number one. Say what you will, but the offense got more talented 
on Wednesday morning when they put Josh Allen in as the quarterback. It absolutely They did. can do a lot more with Josh Allen than they can do with Nathan Peterman. He can pick up first downs with his legs. He can push the ball down the field. He's willing to do both of those things, and he showed that in the brief action on Sunday. Number two, it's supposed to be 80 and sunny. Doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the You can't use the weather as an excuse on Sunday because it didn't hurt the Ravens, but it didn't help. Uh, you know, a quarterback who didn't have a lot going for him anyways and Nathan Peterman. So you've got that. They're playing at home. They're playing a Chargers team that got lit up by Patrick Mahomes a little bit. So, and they're also going to be without Joey Bosa. So they're not exactly the unbeatable force that they were midseason on the road last year heading into L.A. It's not the same Bosa. It's not an easy defense at all. But all of those factors, combined with the fact that in the NFL it's never quite as bad as it looks mm-hmm. and never as good as it looks, the Ravens probably aren't as good as the 47-3 to would indicate. The Bills might be close to as bad. <laughs> no, but I, I don't think the Bills are as bad as it indicates either. I think most games they're going to be more competitive than that, and I think that could start on Sunday. Yeah, um, I will say just from going back and watching it, it there was a lot of positive individual performances that make you believe that it's going to be a lot better this coming week, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. They and not making excuses for them because they allowed six touchdowns on six red zone visits, and that just can't happen. But I think. The fact that the Ravens' average drive start was their own 41-yard line is certainly something that messes with with the defense. Four different times they started with the ball on the Bills' side of the field. So all of these things play into it, and that game was so far gone so early that they were just basically swimming upstream, especially with Nathan Peterman as, as the starter. So, it, But there are... There is evidence out there that indicates that they are better than 47-3 would show. However, offensively, they've got some stuff to figure out. They need to get that running game going. They really do. LaShawn McCoy's best run was on a design play that was supposed to go to the left, but Ryan Groy and John Miller screwed up the block so much that it closed up and he had to reverse field... And that was how they got their first first down of the game in the third quarter. That was McCoy's best run on a bust by the offensive line. They got to figure that out, both of those things. And if if they can do that a little bit, then then perhaps it can be a little bit better on on Sunday. But that 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 seems like a good segue into talking about the game against the Chargers. But before we do that, let's uh, dive into what we're working on, Matthew. Yeah, over at The Athletic, I mean, we you've got all sorts of Josh Allen news and notes, uh, opinions, anything you could ask for. Our, in our wrap-up from Monday, our look back uh, on Tuesday, and then obviously the big news coming down yesterday, got some reaction from some guys in the locker room that have been through this. Jeremy Curley was uh, on the Jets when Geno Smith went through his first start, so... Some interesting takes from, from those guys. And then got a few things in the works. I know Tim is uh, working on a some a little something different for the Josh Allen angle. And I've got something kind of in line with what we were talking about, about Brian Dable, um, you know, working with quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks. So um, that'll be at The Athletic as well. And if you missed it, Robin Lehner wrote a – incredibly moving uh, essay, first-person essay for The Athletic, uh, detailing what he went through during his time in Buffalo and and the rest of his time in the league with substance abuse and getting diagnosed as bipolar. It's actually free to read, so uh, it's unlocked for everyone, and I'd encourage everyone to read that and pass it along because it could help some people. So, yeah, lots of Bills and Sabres coverage coming with with training camp started, and you can go to theathletic.com 
slash Bills Beat and get 40% off a year subscription and get in the door for right around $3 a month US. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. That's, uh, I thought you were going to make fun of me for my coffee again, so thank you for not doing that. Um, and then over at WKBW.com, just yesterday I posted along the same lines what we've been talking about. Why putting Josh Allen into the starting lineup just made me hesitate a little bit based on what, what they're doing um, and, and what they currently are their form is at the moment and then uh coming up on saturday i'll have my five things to watch column i've grinded some chargers tape um and so there's some matchups i think they can exploit and which we're going to get into a little bit here but uh, uh coming up on the podcast but that'll be up on saturday and then of course sunday the the, the post game observations will be out and uh and yeah Oh, that that's that's what we do around here. I uh, neglected to mention Eric Wood had his first column this did. week. Did you check that out? I did check that out. Um, yeah, so he'll be doing a weekly thing for a little the first person and, thing. Um, yeah. Fun insights. I, I know you and I both enjoyed talking to him in the locker room, and I'm interested to see just how much he he lets loose because I know. Yeah. Off the record, he was always a little bit more interesting than on the record. So correct. I'm hoping we get a little bit of that, Eric, uh, at the athletic. Right, and but there it it is a difficult kind it's, of thing to do for him because, because he still have friends there, and he yeah he's still very close to it. This yep. is his coach that he just played for, the yep. GM. A lot of teammates are the same. He was just at practice last week, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a interesting line to walk for him. I thought his first column was pretty good, pretty honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Some good insight in there, and um, I'm sure there'll be more more to come. And I think that's part of what makes him interesting to hear from is that he is still very close to it. And so anything he does let slip, you know, is coming from a, a well-informed place because he knows a lot of these guys and knows how the building operates. Sure does. All right, let's get into this uh, Chargers game uh, because – I think Bills fans, many of them are going, ah, it's hopeless. The Chargers aren't uh, are going to roll them over. And that might well be the case. Um, the Chargers, what they are best at, well, with Joey Bosa, is getting after the quarterback. The Joey Bosa-Melvin Ingram combo is incredible. But Bosa is not there. Then you have, on the offensive side of things, uh, Melvin Gordon, when he can get going, get some blocking, he he can hit a hole and get upfield in a hurry. And then the best player on their offense is Keenan Allen, who is just an absolute savant of a of a route runner out there, and especially working from the slot, he usually creates a mismatch with with the opposing team. So there are some pretty clear strengths of this roster. And oh, by the way, Philip Rivers is still there and. He's still chucking dimes. I don't know if you caught this play. I know you you watched the Chargers game too, but the deep post to Travis Benjamin over the middle of the field that that hit Benjamin in the gut when he had like three yards of separation and it it went through his hands, bounced off his knee and <laughs> went straight into the air. I'm like, what are you doing, Travis Benjamin? What are you doing, Chargers putting Travis Benjamin in that spot? Yeah, Philip Rivers. I think the interesting thing to me about watching that game is that he is still firing the ball downfield like he has he has no reservations about chucking it up deep and I think that's slightly scary if you're the Bills because I think the combination of what he does as a quarterback they they really liked getting the running backs involved in the passing game last week both Gordon and Eckler Eckler had a big game yeah he did uh Picked him up in fantasy. Had to, had to do it. I mean, he he had he that eaten, but he had that thirty-yard uh, reception when he was lined up out wide. So that's they're getting him involved. And they will occasionally put Keenan Allen in the slot as well and work him out there and hit him on quick routes. And I don't know that the Bills have somebody that can handle him uh, right. in that spot. I think I think this game has to be a Tre'Davious White shadow game. I really do. It probably does because I don't know that they have a second guy that you're overly concerned about. And then it's a big test for Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, 
who had good moments, especially in run defense, some good moments in pass defense, but there were times where Tremaine Edmonds got caught kind of jumping a little bit on yeah, play action and totally different right. things, you know, he got lost with his eyes. The good thing is he has great recovery speed and length to make up for that and, and still get involved, but they will go after him, and they have the running backs to make him pay, and Phillip Rivers is still willing to put the ball over the top. I remember the last time he came here, he shredded a very good Bills defense in mm-hmm. 2014. Yeah, I think for for the Bills and what they're doing defensively, that this is their best hope in this game to try and come out ahead. I do think the back seven had a fairly solid game against the Ravens, as crazy that that is, as that is to hear. Uh, you brought up Tremaine Edmonds. You know, he had a lot of negative plays. I I accounted him for, and I think at the end of it, his tally, I think I had him for 12 plays where he did the wrong thing or where he was was at fault. But there were also 10 plays where he did something really good. (laughs) And so that that sort of thing is going to shift more towards the positive as he gains more and more experience and gets a little bit more comfortable. I thought Matt Milano was great in that game. I thought Tredavious White was great in that game. I thought the safeties played really well. Heck, Here's a here's a very big surprise to me because of the two big plays. Philip Gaines was not bad. He he was actually pretty solid in coverage a few times. Now he got beat where he got turned around on a flag route early on in the game, and then he had the touchdown. Talking co- about the John Brown catch deep left yeah. early, yeah, which was a weird play because it seemed like a little bit of a broken play too. Right, but, but it, it, it was also his... Gaines like woo. Had to right. take a big circle to get Flacco back to Flacco probably had too much time, yeah. and there was a little bit of a breakdown. But, yeah, he – there were – that's what I like about Leslie Frazier, and uh, when he speaks, he's pretty honest, and he said, you know, there's a few plays that Phillip will want to have back, but we also saw some good plays from yeah. him. And I and think he was right. that's an accurate uh, summation of how he played, and maybe Vontae Davis isn't on the field again. He will be, and here's why. There is no conceivable way you can put Raphael Bush at nickel corner again. Because no, Taron where... Johnson didn't practice again today on Thursday when we're taping this. And at practice, I didn't put this out there on Twitter or anything. So Bills beat Nugget. Vontae Davis was the right corner. Philip Gaines was the nickel. Tredavious White was the left corner. So I would assume those are the three we're going to see on Sunday. So Vontae gets on the field yeah. out of um, need because of, because of injury. Which is more more so to say when everybody's healthy, Vontae's going to have a hard time getting playing time if right. Philip Gaines continues to play this way. The flexibility to play nickel is is valuable for them, but Taron Johnson wasn't terrible either. No, when, he wasn't. When he was healthy, and so they're, they're going to miss want, him. They're going to want him in um, when they can. Question is, can you know that it's part of why Tre'Davious White probably has to follow yeah. Keenan Allen around as much as possible because. If you take him out of the equation, I think you change how the the Chargers play offense in a big way. Mm-hmm. And a stat that I loved was that um, there's a stat on Sport Radar where it measures the air distance on the football, basically from the spot you throw it to where it ends up. Okay. And it's a cumulative stat, which is very funny to look at. So it's like air distance in total yards of air distance for a game complete incomplete doesn't matter philip rivers was over 1000 <laughs> the only he led the league he was the only quarterback over a thousand uh air yards so he's airing it out two questions i have do you think his arm is tired a thousand air yards is a lot yes uh and number two is he going to be as comfortable doing that with micah hyde and jordan poyer back there as opposed to the Chiefs' secondary which is full of slappies yes uh those are fair questions however i think the one thing that may neutralize the defensive backs in which is what we saw against the ravens was the fact that the pass rush by the bills was non-existent trent murphy was awful in that game and that is a huge huge thing for the bills and i know he's coming back from the groin injury and he only had i think like 35% 35% of snaps or something like that. But he was just so ineffective in that game. Jerry Hughes did nothing in that game. 
their best pass rusher on the game was Shaq Lawson. And then he got himself hurt trying to track down Lamar Jackson for a sack when they were getting blown out. I mean, I respect it because he's still trying that hard to to get a sack and to get a positive play. But, man, that uh, it was not pretty for them. They were getting no push from the interior. Star Latule had a, had a crap game. Uh, Kyle Williams was just average. I thought Harrison Phillips was solid, for what it's worth. Um, he looked like the the better the, the best defensive tackle they had in that game. But those that whole unit needs to be a ton better because they have a lot invested in there, whether it be free agency money or draft picks. And the excuses are no longer there. They, you no longer have the Cedric Thornton excuse. You no longer have the Adolphus Washington excuse. These guys need to put up, and they need to be able to get in the backfield. And they actually do have a pretty solid matchup to do it. My, What I would do if I were the Bills, I would take Harrison Phillips. I would put him over the Chargers left guard Dan Feeney, and I would let him try to eat him alive. Because Feeney was great name. Makes me think of Boy Meets World. Of course. Of course it does. Feeney! <laughs> Of course it does. I'm gonna shout that in the press box on Sunday. He was he messes up. He he messes up a lot. He does. He was atrocious in the game against the Chiefs, and I think because Phillips has such a mix of violence and um, physicality and strength that he can just bowl him right over. So I I would highly consider putting Phillips right over the right guard as much as or yes the right left guard as much as possible. Yeah, that guy had a had a tough game, and that's where I think maybe the Bills can can get something going on that side of the ball. And they're doing a better job defending the run, it would seem, but they still lack juice in terms of pass rush. And mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out where it's going to come from. Right. Because Harrison Phillips is decent as a pass rusher. I think he's better than he gets credit for, but... That's not his number one calling card. Trent Murphy, kind of the same deal where he's more of a a run defender. So he did, added guys who will help in that area, but... It's got to be Jerry. They still lack a big-time pass rusher opposite Jerry Hughes, and Jerry Hughes has to be more like Jerry Hughes this week. So He was getting the one-on-one chances this past week. Like That was the big thing last right. year. He was getting double-teamed all the time. He was getting those chances, and now he needs to capitalize on them. And he has a tough matchup coming up against uh, Russell Okung, who's, who's been a solid left tackle for basically his entire career. I think Lorenzo Alexander has been giving them more than most in terms of pass rush. Right. He's more of a situational guy, but... He has been providing a little bit of something. He still has a little bit of something left. But that's not where you want to be leaning on for your pass rush. I mean, and that's, again, the Bills are early on in this roster building. You know, they already deconstructed the roster. Now they're trying to rebuild it. They didn't go out and they don't have a premier pass rusher. And you don't usually get those guys in free agency. You get them in the draft. And they haven't spent a premium pick on that type of player since Shaq Lawson and that that even isn't a, a premium pick because it was so late in the first round me thinks they will this offseason I'm thinking that's the funny thing about all of this is that you look ahead and I do admit on Monday for the first time this year I googled 2019 NFL mock draft uh, which is Wait, a, little, a little early hang but. <laughs> hang, hang on just a darn minute we, we've had conversations where I'm like, are you going to do mock drafts this year? I don't like, think I'm going to like, do mock drafts. You're like, but the, I, you're like no. And, I, that, and then I said, but you love them. You're like, no, I don't. But I will be reading them. But <laughs> you do. You do love them. You've I don't know if I'm going to be uh, be called upon to do that yeah, in well, new role. But I will read them for sure. And But I think what's interesting to me is that there's so many talented defensive players at the top of this draft, uh-huh. whether it's a three technique or a, an outside rusher that if the Bills are picking in the top five, it's not so simple to just say, oh, get the best offensive lineman because your offensive line sucks. It's like, well, you kind of need to just take the best guy on the board. They could get Little Bosa. That's what I mean. Or Ed Oliver. Or or, Sean Gary. I mean, a lot of talented defensive players, uh, especially guys that can be disruptive, 
uh, against the passer. And there's really not, you know, offensive linemen that you're going to pick that high. And receivers, there there are some talented guys, but they may end up looking at the defense and mm-hmm. the, if they're picking that high, which will probably you – know, we have plenty of time well, to get we'll, people we'll, angry about that. But We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, let's uh, quickly go over the offense because we're actually recording this in between practice starting and practice ending on Thursday, and I think practice is about to wrap up. So offensively for the Bills – the big area of concern, at least to me, is um, Melvin Ingram going up against Deion Dawkins because Ingram is just a force. And then Brandon Meebane on the inside against Ryan Groy. I think those are the two matchups just that can completely derail the Bills if they're not careful. Ingram, he is so much fun to watch. I mean, he is flying around, around out there every single play. I think if if the Bills can do a solid job, the the guy that they had starting for Bosa kind of stunk. Uh, I thought Rochelle, I think his name is. Um, is that the second round pick that they brought in? I don't know because I think he's getting gonna get more run. He only had like two defensive snaps, um, but the idea is that they're gonna try to give him more run. But gotcha. but yeah, they, he's not Joey Bosa. No, he's he surely isn't. All right, so I guess the the next question is, how does Josh Allen fair against this Chargers team because he's obviously going into his first actual NFL start where teams are game planning for him because it was obvious after when you went to the the Bengals locker room they were not game planning for for him it was just a straight we're going with our defensive play call sort of thing and the Chargers do have some solid defenders, particularly in the secondary. I mean, Derwin James made a couple of plays. He had a really fun game. He's yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, he had the sack. He had the he had a pass breakup deep in the end zone. Um, and then, you know, Casey Hayward has been solid for them. Desmond King is a pretty good slot corner. So what, what can we truly expect from the Josh Allen experience round one? I feel like there's going to be a, a few big plays at some point that – make you know the game worth the price of admission and maybe it's not totally out of bounds to say that played a small part in this is Mm -hmm. that you know this guy does bring a little bit more excitement not just to the fan base but to the team and I think there are big plays to be made against this Chargers secondary I do hesitate to point to you know the Mahomes game and say, look, the Chargers can be beat because the Bills don't have Tyreek Hill. Right. And Tyreek Hill is the one who did a lot of that damage. Wait, are you saying Robert Foster isn't Tyreek Hill? Is that what you're saying? Okay. I just want to make sure. Maybe someday. Probably not. (laughs) Tyreek Hill was ridiculous in that game and a big reason why Patrick Mahomes was able to do some of the damage that he did. I think it changes how you play defense and talking to Anthony Lynn this week he said you know that was basically his line of thinking on the defense he's like I'm not going to panic because Tyree Kill is one of the fastest people on earth mm-hmm. you know we're not going to face him every week we got to face him again later but not worried about that you know uh you know every week because not every nobody has another Tyree Kill and I think that's going to be the interesting part of this game is how different will the Chargers defense look when they don't have to worry about somebody beating them over the top because there's not really anybody on this Bills roster that scares you that way. I just think we'll see Josh Allen take some chances, make some plays with his legs, probably make some mistakes. I don't think it's the greatest matchup for him, but I do think you just saw last week in the second half that he's going to make plays because he's going to put the ball in, in spots where either Nathan Peterman wasn't hanging in there long enough to see those spots didn't have the arm to make those throws or was just too skittish to you know go through his reads and and recognize what he was seeing quite honestly I think if you had to ask me what you're going to see from Josh Allen it's that we're going to see the exact type of performance that maybe we saw at Wyoming which is probably a low completion percentage game because he's overcoming a lot of shortcomings on the offensive side of the ball, whether it be his offensive line not blocking or his receivers not gaining full separation like they did in his final season in Wyoming. 
But there will be plays, like you pointed out. I think there will be a, a few, a handful of instances where you latch onto if you're a Bills fan and say, man, there's no way Nathan Peterman was doing anything like that. But in my mind, it's all about the in-between. And is he doing the right thing on a play-to-play basis? Are those bad habits forming? Are, do we see the bugaboo of uh, trying to leave the pocket too prematurely even when there was still time to be had in the pocket just because he wants to make a play so badly? All of these different things you you must consider when judging Josh Allen's performance, but there will be moments where he, uh, I, I think he certainly has fans going, okay, I see it. I see I see what's going on there. So, that brings us to the pick. And I'll go first because I was gloriously wrong last week. And but yeah, I it, forgot you picked them to win. In my defense, I didn't know it was going to be that bad. And I don't even think it... If they played again, it's probably not that bad again. <laughs> if As... Uh, as stark as that is to say. However, I can't, in good faith, say that the Bills are going to win a game until they show a lot of improvement in different areas, i.e. the offensive line, the wide receivers, the running game, the defensive line being able to bring a pass rush. I do think the Bills' defense will help them stay in this game a bit more. Though I do think we're going to see a, uh, a course correction for the Chargers defense. I think they're going to have a lot better of a game than they did last week against Kansas City. You know, basically because they're going up an inferiorly talented roster, offensive roster, in the Buffalo Bills. So, at the end of things, I'm taking the Chargers. Not looking back. I think Josh Allen will provide a, a few sparks. But at the end of the day, I think Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon and Melvin Ingram... Are just too much to handle. Who covers the? Do the Bills cover the spread? Seven and a half, I think, right now. It's a big number for a road team coming across the country. I feel like they're trying to sucker you into the Bills. Well, they I can't really make do. the spread that much bigger than that. That's for a road team. I know, coming from the West Coast. I mean, you got to be like the Browns before you start getting, you know, the last year's Browns before you start getting worse lines than that. I think. I think the Chargers cover, and maybe not like an, an egregious cover, but like you know, maybe a, it's a late Josh Allen pick that causes puts the Chargers in, in the zone and they score a late field goal or a touchdown or something like that. So I'll, I'll take the Chargers. Yeah, I think the Chargers win, and I think you know they win by more than 7.5. It's not you know just as easy as saying that the Bills weren't good on Sunday because I do think the NFL is so – strange week to week that the Bills could very easily be competitive on Sunday and make this a, a closer game than people think. I just think when it comes down to it, Philip Rivers versus Josh Allen making his first ever start, you know, you side with the veteran, the guy who's been there and done that in a game that, let's say it did come down to, you know, the last quarter. I think you trust the guy that's been there and uh, you know, to not make those mistakes. I, I just think the defense of the Chargers will be a bit bit confusing for Josh Allen in his first go at it. The big plays will be there, but they won't be enough to offset some of the mistakes, and, and the Chargers win by a couple of scores. If this is a one-possession game, let's say 10 minutes to go in the game, I think that's a humongous win for the Bills in the fact that they've answered – in the way that, that they needed to, uh, ideally their offense looks a bit better than they did. Their defense would have to look a lot better than they did. So it's, uh, I think if, if that, that could be a potential thing to hang your hat on. Um, and because this is, I don't Did you read Albert Breer's thing on the bills today? Yes. That was very, uh, very good logic and, you know, some perspective behind the whole thing. The bills are not expecting to win a whole lot this year. And so if they can, make an honest effort of this thing and really kind of make the Chargers nervous a little bit, I think that's uh, that's pretty uh, – I, th- I think that would be a pretty solid thing for them. Yeah, I, I just think from what we've seen of Sean McDermott, there's a lot that you can question with him. There's a lot that you can 
poke holes in in terms of him as a coach and you know some of his decision making and roster decisions and everything else but he tends to get the team ready to compete a lot better than he did last week and with the home opener and the way last week went I think that'll be enough to help him get these guys juiced up to play a more competitive game I just think they're they're not the better football team on Sunday and so I tend to go with the better football team and right. the better quarterback but the Chargers started 0-4 last year they tend to be a team that a lot of people pick to do great things and then they always let you down and uh you and know, get injured and they get injuries you know thing bad things tend to happen to the Chargers so I wouldn't rule out something weird happening but I still have the image in my mind of Philip Rivers coming into Buffalo in 2014 and just taking all the air out of the building because oh, yeah. he just shredded. But Antonio Gates was really good in that game. I don't think he'll be quite as effective in this no, one. No, Virgil Green is the starting tight end. Um, but Antonio Gates is out there doing things. Yes, he is. He's trying. I don't even know how old he is. but He's like 39 now. That's very old for yeah, a tight end. It, completely. Uh, great career for him. Good, good, good on you there, Antonio Gates. Uh, so, yes, that's uh, that We'll do it for this episode of the Bills Beat. The next time we'll talk to you will be after the Bills take on the Chargers. We'll be in uh, New Era Field in one of the little booths there and uh, going over exactly what happened in Josh Allen's first start and whether or not it encourages some optimism or perhaps if the Bills dish out another dud as they went, as they did in Baltimore just a few days ago. All right, for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening, however you do, and we will talk to you on Sunday. See ya.